Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Um, tonight is a lesson that I do, or we do, I guess if you should say, once a year. Um, lesson is different every year, but um, we talk about a topic that I was like, wow, I figured out how to get you guys to talk and tag. Talk about what you don't want in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I don't know, what was your tag like? Did everybody else have like a long list? Our tag had like a long list. Um, so we're doing this lesson called Dump or Date. How many of y'all, and to be honest, and guys, you have to be honest, okay? You have to be, especially men in here, got to be honest. How many of y'all like romantic movies? Romantic, see, Musgrave, John, you guys are real men. David, you're a real man. You know, you put your hands up, right? Um, watch a little bit of the, yeah. I happen to like, April and I sometimes, we'll just watch a good Lifetime movie. You judge me. Okay, if you like romantic movies, and how many of y'all read like, you, know, you like to read books like kind of about romance, it's okay to, it's okay to admit that I guess. Um, if you're not reading the Bible, you're missing out because there are some like romance stories in the Bible. Um, so I want to start out by showing you a couple power, the top five power couples of the Bible. And of course you got to start at the beginning and you've got Adam and Eve. Um, this is the quintessential Adam Eve picture where they're both eating a fruit there are strategically placed bushes, and, um, and we all know what happened with Adam and Eve, right? Um, next power couple, this is kind of a weird one. You've got Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Um, it was a power couple that turned into more than a power couple because yeah, if you haven't read the story, you've got to read the story. It's a really funny story. Uh, it wouldn't be funny if you were Jacob, Leah, or Rachel, but it's kind of funny for us to read. Um, yeah, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. He, she, he thought she was attractive, and she was awesome, and she, he wanted to marry her. Um, so at the last second during the wedding, Rachel's father switches Rachel for her sister, and he ends up accidentally marrying his sister, Leah. Or not his sister, her sister. <laughs> That'd be even weirder, wouldn't it? He accidentally marries Rachel's sister, Leah. And then he decides, well, you know what? They pulled one on me. I accidentally married Leah, but I really like Rachel, so I think I'm going to marry her too. And he did the whole sister-wives thing. Um, so that's kind of a power tri-couple of the Bible. Um, Samson and Delilah, um, power couple, um, turned out to be not so good. Uh, if you've read the story, you know what happened. If you haven't, you need to read this one because it's really interesting. Delilah ends up sabotaging her husband, um, cutting his hair off, taking all his power away, and Samson gets arrested and put in prison and tortured. Um, here's a little maybe more positive one. Ruth and Boaz, if you've been coming to church on Sunday nights, pastor for a long time had been going through the book of Ruth, and Ruth was someone whose husband passed away. She was a widow, and she met Boaz, who married her, took her in, provided for her. It's a beautiful love story. If you can, it's, it's sappy. I mean, you've got to like get a shovel like to, to, to you shovel all the sap in that love story. Um, and then, of course, maybe the biggest power couple ever, um, Mary and Joseph. Um, Mary and Joseph had the task of raising baby Jesus, who was God in the flesh. Kind of a big deal. Uh, so you have Mary and Joseph. But if there's kind of a common thing with all of these uh, relationships, these power couples, is there was a lot of drama. And with half of them, it didn't turn out well. First power couple of the Bible, Adam and Eve, the world gets plunged into the curse of sin. Yeah, thanks, Eve. You know, I've made the joke three times, so I don't want to, I'll make it again. You know, 
why, why, you know, why is it that it's hard for ladies to decide, you know, where to eat, what restaurant to eat at? Well, the last time they made that decision, the whole world was plunged into sin because Eve decided where to eat. Uh, it's just a joke. Just a joke. Don't take it personally. Um, so, so, yeah, Adam and Eve didn't turn out well. What about Jacob and Rachel? That got kind of messed up when Leah entered the picture. If you read the Bible, it literally says, there was Leah. <laughs> Jacob wakes up and, oh, there's Leah. Married the wrong girl. So that didn't turn out very well. Samson and Delilah didn't turn out very well. I could probably list some others that didn't turn out very well. David and Bathsheba didn't turn out very well. I'm going to say all that to say this. Even some of the most notable couples, power couples of the Bible, they didn't do the relationship thing right, did they? And there were some pretty bad uh, consequences most of those happened a couple thousand years ago, but now we're talking about dating in 2018. Um, we're talking about dating in 2018. And um, I think we can all agree that the same drama is still around. Um, it's still as crazy, and some of the consequences are pretty bad too. I, t- I promised myself I was going to stick to my script a little bit tonight because when I go off script on this one, sometimes I get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So you probably know some situations of people who dated, and they had a really bad experience. They were in a relationship, and I'm not talking about the whole when you're in fifth grade and like dating means like, you know, you send an emissary, you know, to talk to the friend of the girl that you like, and she, you know, they do it, they, you know, they go back and forth, and they negotiate the terms of your dating, and then you meet in the lunchroom, and you sit here, and she sits here at the lunch table, and all your friends sit here, and all her friends sit here, and you're, you're dating. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to you, you know, middle school, high school. Um, it gets, you've probably known some people that have got burnt. You know, some people, it was a, turned into a really bad breakup. It turned into, I thought she liked me, but she really didn't like me. Um, you, maybe you know some people that because of a relationship they were in, they, they actually were the victims of some kind of abuse, or, or, or it just pretty much wrecked their life because of the relationship they were in. But, you know, maybe you look at some people who were in relationships, and you're like, man, if that, if that could just be me, if I could be the one with a boyfriend, or if I could be the one with the girlfriend. But I think we'll probably have to admit um, we'll probably have to admit that there are some big pitfalls in dating at some point if you don't do it right, that the dating scene in your school probably is not the best and it's not the healthiest. Um, so how can we as Christians do this thing right? How can we as Christians handle relationships in a culture that's just kind of out of control? This is going to be kind of the big truth that we learned tonight. And I'll get out of the way so you can read it. It's until I have a right relationship with Jesus, I will never have a right relationship with others. This is a universal principle that doesn't just have to do with people that you're like kind of, I guess, romantically attracted to or in a relationship. This has to do with parents. This has to do with friends. This has to do with family. This has to do with any kind of human relationship you have. But we're going to apply it today tonight. Until I have a right relationship with Jesus, I'll never have a right relationship with others. So before we dive into this, um, I want to make just kind of a couple observations. If you're here tonight and um, you are dating someone currently, you know, your relationship status is in a relationship. April sent me a funny one. Like, you know how, like, I know you're not really on Facebook much, but on Facebook you can choose your relationship status. It's like single, married, in a relationship. It's complicated. There's this one down at the bottom that just says hungry. <laughs> like, I'm perpetually hungry. You know, maybe you're in that category. No, but if, if you're in a kind of in a relationship, you're dating someone right now, what I want to encourage you to do is to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God because we're going to do this dump or date chart. And I want you to 
be honest and put this person through this chart. If you're not dating someone right now, you know what that makes you? Well, it makes you single. It makes you single, but it also makes you something that single and ready to mingle, right, Evan? Uh-uh. Uh, I'm just joking. Anyway, um, I'm going off script. Um, if, you, if you are not dating someone right now, you know what that makes you tonight? It makes you normal. And here's why I say that. Here's why I say that. I'm a statistics guy. Did you know that teenagers that are in middle school and high school, 70% of teenagers are not in a relationship right now and have not been in a relationship right now? When you watch, you know, the teen movies and you watch the TV shows and you watch High School Musical and all this stuff, it makes it sound like the normative or the normal experience for a teenager is to always be in a relationship, but that's actually not the case. The majority of people your age are not in relationships. So, so when, when you're going through, don't think that there's something wrong with you because you're not in a relationship right now. And also, don't think that you have to get in a relationship right now. Um, I think you can thrive being single uh, for, you know, for now. So, uh, so, so I just don't think that there's something wrong with you. Think of yourself as normal. Um, so with all that being said, here we go. Let's jump in. Everybody, like, get, your, you know, get in a diving position. Because we're going to dive in, okay? And, um, if, but when we dive in, I thought, you know, where, it's always hard. Where do you start this thing? Where do you start the dumper date thing? We're going to start where we started last week in Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to remind ourselves of this template that God gives us, and we're going to apply it to the way that we date or that we will hypothetically date. Um, so... Um, Romans chapter 12, I'm going to give you a second to turn there, we're going to read it, and then we're going to make these three observations, and we're going to just jump right into applying this. Um, and I have a couple people I want you to meet tonight too, by the way. Um, I, I think you'll find them to be very interesting. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, this verse here is a template that we can apply to every situation that we find ourselves in life. If we wonder, what does God want me to do? We can apply this to that situation. Last week, we applied it to forgiveness. Tonight, we're going to apply it to dating. So, so what, what is the template? Well, the first thing we're supposed to do, we're supposed to live for God, right? Um, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, God doesn't just want your heart. He wants your hands, too. He doesn't just want your, 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 your mind and your heart. He wants your body. He wants, he wants you, every part of your life, he wants you to live for him. So even the way that we, last week we forgive others, this week the way that we relate to the opposite sex, God wants you to live that part of your life for him. Um, so that's what we're supposed to do. And we talked about last week, the problem with the living sacrifice is the living sacrifice wants to crawl off the altar. We, we tend to wander, and we tend to move around, and sometimes we're doing what God wants us to do, and sometimes we're not, and this is kind of one of those areas where a lot of times we don't do what God wants us to do. So we're supposed to live for God. In our dating, in the way that we relate to people of the opposite gender, we are supposed to live for God. The second thing um, that we learn from this passage is the why behind this. It says, in view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. First 11 chapters of Romans tell us about how we were saved, the final four chapters, starting in 
chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, tell us how we're supposed to respond to being saved by God. And one of the ways that we're supposed to do it is we're supposed to, supposed to always view, keep ourselves in view of God's mercy. So when we apply that to dating here in a, in, in a minute, we're going to talk about how because we have value by God, that should change the way that we select the people that we let into our lives and in, in, in the way that we select the people that influence us. When we find our value in God, that ups the standard, doesn't it, for the people that we let into our life. So we, we do this in view of God's mercy. I've been saved. I've been bought by God. I've been redeemed by God. Uh, my, you know, my redemption has been purchased by God. My sins have been forgiven by God. And because of that, I want to live this life as a sacrifice to God. And then how do we do that? We do that by being transformed. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't have to tell you this. The world, in every possible way, is trying to tell you how you're supposed to handle interpersonal relationships, how you're supposed to date. Teen, like, I'll be honest, when I was in high school, I watched all the teen movies. Um, yeah, I was really into high school musical, and it wasn't really popular for guys to be into high school musical, but I was into high school musical. Um, but it's all about, it's, it's all about, you yeah, who likes who? And, and, and then you've got all these shows on, not, it's not ABC Family anymore, Freeform, and you've got all these shows. They're all built around these relationships and who likes who and who's going out with who. Um, you, get on, you, you get on like Instagram or you get on Twitter and it's all these relationship goal type accounts, you know, that, you know, the girl is so excited that the boy, her boyfriend brought, him Chick-fil-A, brought her Chick-fil-A and, you know, all these stuff like, you know, find a man that does this or does that, you know. So we, there are all, should I be embarrassed of the way I moved there? Okay, but the world is trying to tell us what we're supposed to look for in a date, how we're supposed to date, how we're supposed to act at prom, how we're supposed to act um, at home, how, yeah, what we're supposed to do on dates, who we're supposed to date, you know, all this stuff. We, the world is through music, for t- through uh, Netflix, through all these, you know, Social media is telling you, you know, you, you know, Taylor Swift's trying to tell you how to date. Our song is a slam screen door sneaking out late, tapping on you. The world is trying to, is setting a pattern for you to follow, but what God says is, don't follow that pattern. Renew your mind through this word and follow my pattern. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into God's pattern we're going to be kind of bouncing around in the Bible, so I'll have the verses on the screens. If not, um, you, if you want to you just, I'll have it up there, so if you want to turn and mark up, you can turn and mark up. So what I'm going to do, we're calling this dump or date. I'm going to go to the next slide so you can see. Dump or date. As you can see here, you have these two people who are dating at the top, and you have this trash can representing, don't actually put your, if you're breaking up with someone, don't actually put them in a trash can, but maybe that you should, I don't know. If they deserve it, put them in a trash can. Um, so, so what you're going to see here is you're going to see some tests that we're going to run these people through their Bible tests. And if the answer is correct, they'll go to the date category. And if it's not correct, we're going to go to the dump category. Okay? So um, what we're going to do is we're going to ask some questions about this person that either you are dating or the image of the perfect person. You know, the perfect boyfriend, the perfect girlfriend, you're tall, dark, and handsome, or whatever it is, okay? So, the first thing we should be thinking about is, is this person a Christian? Is this person a Christian? And the first person I'd like you to meet, 
um, is my friend Andy. This is my friend Andy. Um, we're going <laughs> to call him Andy the Atheist. Um, Andy's a nice guy. Um, he's respectful to his ma. He obeys all the traffic laws. He gets pretty good grades in school. He likes to think of himself as a thinker. But he doesn't believe in God. And he likes you. And he's into you. And obviously, you know, he's, he's not a bad-looking guy. Um, so here's the question. Do you date him? Let's look and see what... The, Let's look and see what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Will you tell um, Andy the Atheist, thank you for joining us real quick. He's got to go do some things. Um, He's got a Bahamian vacation he's getting ready to go on. Um, We laugh, but how often do we ask this question? How often do you ask that question before you say yes? Before you respond to that DM? By the way, if if somebody's sliding into your DMs, tell them they need to ask you in a more official way than that. Just, just automatically. I should have put that before even Christian. Just DM, no, dump. Anyway. But seriously, though, look at this verse. It says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, you know, when you read that, the first thing I think of when yoked together, I think of like, does that mean like having eggs smashed on our head? Um, what it's talking about is an old-fashioned farm implement where two animals would be hooked together in this yoke, and they would be like stuck together, and they would pull a plow. Now, here's the problem. If you have two horses, two oxen, two goats, I don't know, donkeys that are yoked together. We'll say donkeys because some of y'all look like donkeys. I'm joking. Uh, well, that was, that was mean. Never mind. Um, anyway, they're hooked together. And you have one ox that's going this way and one ox that's going this way. Are they going to go anywhere? No. The stronger ox is probably going to pull the other this direction. What it's saying is, if you're a Christian, you're going somewhere. If you're a Christian, you've got a pattern, you've got a path for your life, and it's going this direction. If you're dating someone who's not a Christian, their path is not going the same way you are, and they're going this way. And guess what happens? Maybe you may pull that person a little bit closer to your path, but you know what that person's going to do? They're going to pull you, and at some point, you're going to hit a fork in the road, and you're going to have to choose. At some point, you're going to hit a fork in the road in your dating relationship, and if you're dating an unsaved person, person, that fork in the road is going to come by your priorities. You get older, you're still dating, and, well, I want to major in this, and I want to give my life to God, and I want to serve God overseas, and that unsaved person is like, why in the world would you want to do that? You're going to hit a fork in the road when it comes to the, the rules that you have about, uh, about, about being physical and about sexuality. You're going, to, you're going to hit a fork in the road. So is that person a Christian? If not, you're going to hit that fork in the road and they're going to pull you away. How many times have you seen someone who is a committed Christian? They got in a relationship with someone who was either a Christian or not living for Christ, and it totally wrecked their walk with God. 
probably run out of fingers and toes counting the people that you know that went through that situation. So, Christian, if not, trash can. We're dumping them. But if so, we're going to move on to the next category. The next category is parents. Do my parents approve of this person? I want to introduce you to our next friend. Um, This friend is named Randy. Um, We actually, we call him Rebellious Randy. Now, uh, Rebellious Randy, yeah, of course, he's a good-looking guy. He can pull off the tank top. Um, He can pull off the tank top. See, what Randy does is when, when he comes to pick you up on a date, he stays in his car and he sends you a text and just says, here. And he expects you to, you know, walk out and get in the car and leave without him even seeing your parents. And of course your dad is like, this Randy guy, don't like him. I want him to come talk to me. I want him to come say hi to me. Any guy that would wear a Scooby-Doo uh, multicolor shirt, I worry about. But Randy says, yeah, babe. I just, I just don't think you and your dad and I are going to mesh. I, we just, 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 just come out and get my car and we'll take off. And your dad says, you know what, uh-uh. If Randy's not going to come in here, you're not going out there. And he puts his foot down. So Randy gets pretty upset and he freezes you out and doesn't text you back for a little bit just so you, to get you nervous. And then, um, and then Randy texts you at 10 o'clock and he says, hey, let's go hang out. And you're like, well, my dad said no. He said, well, your parents are probably asleep. Why don't you just sneak out and we'll chill? And he's trying to undermine your parents' authority. We can thank Randy for coming. Rebellious Randy, he's got to go stir up some trouble somewhere. Um, but what does the Bible say about our parents? Well, this is the one verse that you guys don't like to hear, but I always have to remind you of. It's Ephesians 6.1. It says, children, obey your parents, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. So if your parents are telling you that we don't want you to be in relationships until you're this age, if your parents tell you we don't like that particular guy or that particular girl that you're interested in and we don't want you spending time with them, guess what? As a child of God who's supposed to offer their body as a living sacrifice to God is to do, to be in fellowship with God. They're to obey their parents. And it actually takes it a step, a step further. Um, and it says that we're supposed to honor our parents. I didn't get this verse on the, the screen here, um, but Ephesians 2, 6 through 3, if you keep reading through this verse, it says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life. A lot of people think the promise of honoring your parents is if you honor your parents, you'll live a long life. And I believe that's part of the promise, but we forget that in that promise it says that you may enjoy a long life. Here's what I've learned. People that have unsettled business with their parents, it's hard to get over. People who don't make peace with their parents, that's hard to get over. And you know what is, is, is really sad is that I have some friends and I know people who they chose a relationship over their parents. And that relationship lasted six months. And because of a six-month relationship, they were willing to give up a lifelong relationship and peace with their parents. And there's still stuff that's not settled. So that you may enjoy a long life. Um, You're not going to want to hear this, but your parents have been there before. 
Um, maybe the reason your mom is, you know, is, 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 you know, intensity level went up to 11 when, um, when uh, rebellious Randy walked in is because she dated, rebe- not dated rebellious Randy. <laughs> She'd be a little old for rebellious Randy, but it's because she dated someone like rebellious Randy and she remembered how difficult that was and how painful that was and she's trying to save you the same pain that she experienced. What do your parents say? First thing we're supposed to do, obviously, is obey them. The second thing we're supposed to do is honor them. And by the way, if the person that you're interested in is not honoring his or her parents, I would dump them too. Because here's the thing, if they'll sneak around on their parents, at some point they'll sneak around on you. So, parents, the parents approve, no, dump truck. Beep, beep, beep. Um, If yes, we can move to the next one. Uh, The next question we're going to ask um, is compromise. Um, and, and when I say compromise, this is kind of what I mean. Are you, this is where I need to stick to my notes, are you compromising yourself physically or sexually or you, do you feel pressured to? So I want you to meet my next, um, my next friend. His name is Patrick. Um, and we call him Prom Night Patrick. <laughs> we call him Prom Night Patrick. And, um, you know, prom, prom season is upon us and, um, I know Huntington's already had their prom, and there have been a couple other proms. Midland's prom's coming up this weekend. And, um, and, and Patrick is usually a good guy, but Patrick does a lot of what I see even Christians doing a lot of times. It's, I'll have moral standards, I'll have standards the way I dress, the way I act, the way I dance, but Jesus is going to give me a hall pass on prom. You know, so I can, I can, I can, wear, I can, I can wear clothes that I normally kind of feel ashamed to wear on prom. I can dance in a way that I would never, ever dance on a night that's not prom. Um, I will do things with my boyfriend and my girlfriend that I would never do, except that it's prom night, and all the teen movies say that on prom night, I'm supposed to be sexually active. So, Patrick, prom night Patrick, um, has already told you that there's some things that he's expecting to be able to, um, to do on prom night. Um, what does the Bible say about that? Patrick, you can hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. We're not even going to clap for Patrick, because he's a jerk. Uh, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? And, and yeah, we don't, we, we're not talking about this to be funny. We're not talking about this to get jokes and giggles. We're talking about this because it's in your face every day. So what does the Bible say about this? Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What does this mean, sexual immorality? If you look it up in other parts of the Bible, um, what it means is 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 physical contact, sexual contact outside of, the, of a marriage between a husband and a wife. That's what it means. Now, what our culture is, is saying and what you, you know, the pattern of the world says is that if you love someone, you will physically touch that person and be physically active with that person. That's not love. Coercing someone into doing something they're not comfortable doing, that's not love. Unfortunately, in your health classes, I know they, you know, they, they tell you sex is okay as long as it's safe, but all they're talking about is the, are the physical 
consequences of that. They're not talking about the spiritual consequences of that, and they're not talking about the mental and emotional consequences about that. You can protect yourself from some things physically, but you can't protect the toll that it's going to take on your heart and on your soul and on your mind when that person that you have this intimate connection with is no longer in your life. Um, that's probably all I should say about that. Um, one, thing, one, one other thing I want to talk about in this verse. It says... Flee from sexual immorality. It doesn't say, say no to sexual immorality. Although, obviously, you should. It doesn't say, see how far you can go. It says flee. If you're in a relationship where somebody's pressuring you, somebody's pressuring you to be intimate, break up with them and break up with them now. It says flee. Break, yeah, the, the time to do it is on the ride home from church, not on prom night. Flee as quick as you can because the the longer you wait to flee, the harder it is to flee. And the longer you wait to flee, the easier it is to give in. So is this person, is this prom night Patrick, or do you feel like you're you're being forced or you're being trying to talk in to compromise yourself sexually? If the answer is yes, you need to flee. You need to put that person in the trash. You need to dump that person. There's no business for a child of God to be dating someone like that. Um, the next question we're going to ask is, am I growing spiritually with that person? Or if you're not dating that person, do I see myself or will I grow spiritually with that person? Is, is that person growing spiritually? Um, we have our next guest um, that's going to be coming tonight. See, I've got, I've, got, I've got all these guests coming because this is such a difficult thing to talk about. It makes it a little more interesting. And we're going to meet Henry. Um, we're going to meet Henry. This is hypocritical Henry. This is hypocritical Henry. Um, Henry is, he says he's a Christian, so you're like, oh, he's a Christian, I can go out with him. Um, but you went to, um, you asked Henry what he's been learning from the Bible, and he said he's been reading in 2 Corinthians. And he really doesn't know anything about the Bible. Um, and he started quoting a verse he read, because you're like, what verse have you read? He's like, oh, I read that verse that talks about spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. And you're like, man, that's not even the Bible. That's a Hillsong song. <laughs> and, um, and Henry is always really bothered by the fact that you turn your phone off when you're doing your devos. And he says, if you really love me, you'll never shut me out. And it's Wednesday night, and it's a, it's a nice night, and Henry, of course, since he doesn't read the Bible much and he says he's a Christian, but he's not living for God, he doesn't want to come to refuel and maybe feel convicted about his lifestyle. So he tries to talk you into skipping youth group and hanging out, doing a little catfishing, a um, little hunting, fishing, loving every day, you know. And, um, and he says, we don't need to go to youth group. So thank you, um, thank you, Henry, for coming. Um, you can go take your sombrero and go to Mexico and never come back because you're not a good date. Um, what does the Bible say? Well, the first thing is it says, uh, you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Um, there is a part for you to play, and if your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or this person that you may be going out with, if this person is pulling you away from your spiritual family, think about this. I, you know, I, and this is, once again, you've been here for, you're doing this for seven, eight years now, you see it. Someone sacrifices a lifelong church family for a six-month, a two-month, sometimes it's like a one-week fling. It also says in uh, Philippians 3, I press toward the goal for the prize that God's called me towards. 
Since you started dating this person, are you growing spiritually? Be honest. Don't grade on the curve. Be honest. Are you growing spiritually? If you're not, you need to get rid of the weight that's holding you down and press toward God. Um, Getting close to the end. Maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend's made it through the ringer so far. But here comes the next one. What do your friends think? What do your friends think? Um, Bobby! Bobby! We're, call, we're, we're calling this guy Bad Idea Bobby. Have you ever been in the hallway at school and Bobby walks down and you're like, hmm. You, talk, you lean to your friend and he's like, Bobby's looking pretty good today. And your friend says, don't go out with Bobby. He's a bad idea. He's a bad idea. If you're sitting next to someone that dated an idiot at some point, just look at the person next to you and say, mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you about Bobby. I told you. Okay. Um, Bobby's just a bad idea. He's a jerk. He's mean as a snake. But all you can see is his tall, slender build and those eyes that just peer into your soul. You can't see what a jerk he is. All you can see is this. <laughs> and you're mesmerized by him and all your friends are like, no. You know, have, have you ever had a friend that's like gone out with someone you're like, no, please, no. And like she says yes or he says yes and you're like, no. It's like slow mo, no. You know, Bad idea, Bobby. Get out of here, bad idea, Bobby. Don't let the door hit you on their way in, way out, okay? Um, so, so what does the Bible say about this? It says, Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Do you have advisors in your life? By the way, it says many. Um, don't just, yeah, every once in a while, maybe you'll find a friend who's jealous. They wanted to go out with Bobby. They wanted to be Bo- the Bobby Bay. You know, and, and, and they wanted to go out with Bobby, and you got Bobby, so they're jealous. Okay? We'll give them that. Talk to your friends. You better have in your life a group of trusted advisors, people that are close to you, ride or dies that you can count on that give you the truth. And that's what Proverbs 27, 6 says. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And we could really apply that to dating, probably. Um, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Everybody needs a friend that tells them the truth even when it's difficult to hear. And you need a friend in your life that does one of these things, you know, uh uh-uh. He's not right for you. He's not going to be good for you. You you, You need one of those girlfriends in your life. And guys, you need one of those bros in your life that just pretty much comes up, bros can do this, and just smacks you upside the head. It's okay to do that if you're a bro. Smacks you upside the head and be like, man, you're stupid. Maybe they can be a little more loving than that. I don't know. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about just one friend that's in a bad mood. I'm talking about if all of your friends are telling you you don't need to go out with that person, you don't need to go out with that person. We're at our final, our final one, and this may be the most important one. And I want to introduce you to maybe the most illustrious man of the evening. His name is Tommy. And we call, him, we call him Total Package Tommy. Okay? This is everything you could ever want in a man. He's sporty. He's an outdoorsman. 
He's preppy. He's artsy. You will never find a more complete specimen of a boyfriend than total package Tommy. And you think, if I could go out with total package Tommy, he would complete me. All my problems would be solved. My grades would get better or they wouldn't even matter because it'd just be me and Tommy. I wouldn't have to worry about going home and fighting with my parents because I'd have Tommy. I wouldn't be lonely because I'd have Tommy. I'd think that I'm worth something because I have Tommy. You can go ahead and get out of here, Tommy. You can hunt, fish, play guitar, run track, whatever you want to do. Just don't do it here. How bad do you want to be in a relationship? You know what I've learned? Hey, Tommy, are you still back there? Can you come out here for a second? I remembered something. Some of you want to be in a relationship was so bad. Have you noticed something about all our boys tonight? Guys, this isn't just about boyfriends. It's about boyfriends and girlfriends. I just happen to have a boy close by. Um, Have you noticed that it's the same guy? Have you noticed that in your life, maybe girls or guys, you dated a couple people, but they're all the same guy. Maybe they have different faces and they have different names. But you've dated the same guy three times over and you have the same relationship issues. Maybe it's because you're dating the same kind of guy. Okay, now you can really leave. Uh, Maybe it's because you're dating the same kind of guy and you think that's going to fix your life. You know what I've learned? If I get these verses down, it really changes the way that I evaluate myself. It says, seek first his, meaning God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So put God before relationships. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Why should I trust God in my relationships? Well, first off, you trust Instagram, and I think you can trust God over Instagram. Um, but in a more serious, um, why, should you, why should you trust God? I believe it's because if you saw yourself the way God sees you, you'd have a much higher standard of who you give your heart to. If you saw yourself, if you saw yourself the way God sees you, you would have a much higher standard of who you give your heart to. We're going a little long, and I just need to wrap it up. Um, But can I say, people are hurting because they've given their heart to someone and it's been trampled on. There are people that have decided on permanent solutions to temporary problems because they gave their heart to someone and that person didn't complete them. We're not going to find our completion in a guy or girl. We're going to find it in Jesus. So think about this. If you feel forgotten, in Christ you will be known as chosen. If you feel, see yourself as abandoned, God sees you as his child. You see yourself as ugly. God sees you as someone he made in his image. You see yourself as poor. God sees you as someone who he's lavished on every spiritual blessing. You see yourself as worthless. God sees you as ransomed. And you see yourself as damaged goods. And God sees you as healed. If we saw ourselves the way God sees us, we'd have much higher standards of who we give our heart to. So if you think this person is going to complete you, 
you're going to be sorely mistaken. You're going to be sorely mistaken. God completes you. No one else will complete you. So maybe this person has made it through all the ringers, and congratulations. Um, you get a little heart shape. Um, but the point of this, we've had fun, we've been serious, we've talked about hot topics. Um, the whole point is this. Who you give your heart to is maybe the most important decision that you will ever make apart from choosing to follow Christ. Best be grounded in this word and not the pattern of the world. Best see yourself as someone who is bought and paid for on the cross and see yourself by all the labels the world has put on you. Uh, So we're going to pray. We're going to leave. Uh, Maybe as you're praying, you just need to ask God, God, search my heart. Um, God, I want to be someone who's known by you, found by you, believes in you, uh, someone who is saved, uh, someone who trusts you. So just bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to pray. If if you want to pray quietly in your heart, just whatever God has led you to pray, I want to invite you to do that as I pray out loud, and then then we're going to get out of here. God, thank you for bringing us together. Um, God, thank you for your word that speaks to even such things as as relationships. Uh, God, this is one of the biggest, I know, this is one of the biggest things in the life of our teenagers here. Uh, So God, I pray that you'll give them wisdom beyond their years. I pray that every day you will remind them of who they are in your son. And God, I pray that through that reminding and through their being grounded in your word, um, God, that you will set them up for lives that are marked by you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.